Hello, and welcome to Spring Office Hours, episode 52, titled Java 21. My name is Dan Vega, Spring Developer Advocate at VMware, joined by my good friend and colleague, Deshaun Carter. Deshaun, how are you doing, my friend? I am wonderful. It is Java 21 day. Java 21 day, yes! Yes! It is release day, uh, so that is on top of our minds. Uh, You look like you're coming to us from a remote location. Where are you at today? Location. I am in beautiful Las Vegas, and you cannot spell Las Vegas without Vega. So as I'm here in Las Vegas, I am thinking about you. I miss you. I'm I'm sharing all the wonderful things that are happening with Java 21 on this glorious day. I spend a lot of time on the 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 event. We had the, the launch event. I, I thought I was going to just camp outside of the uh, Venetian, you know, waiting for my version of, of Java 21. I want to get my first hands or hands first on those bits. Uh, but yep. apparently that, that's not what they were doing. They were just going to distribute it you know, online. So there's no like <laughs> giveaways or anything like that. But you didn't have to like stand in a line somewhere. I, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's all right. It's all right. It was worth it. It's an exciting time. Yeah. Exciting yeah. time. I am. So what I'm about what else has I'm been going on? We we haven't talked in a while. I was out last week. I know you uh, you talked to Mark Pollock last week about Spring CLI and Spring AI. And hot to topics Seattle. like who knew yeah, that hot- AI was a hot topic? And of course, the Spring team is ahead of the curve, making it easier for us to uh, adopt and start using some of these AI tools. You know that combined with VMware Explorer, kind of the announcement and these strategies for private AI, uh, it's really exciting. You know. Yeah, it's it's really exciting. Uh, beyond that, it's just been a bunch of customer stuff, uh, yeah. and then here at Oracle Cloud World and Oracle Health. Uh, yeah, I was in Seattle last week with Josh Long. Uh, we had a customer uh, event that we were that we were at. Uh, gave some good talks. Josh talked about Spring Boot three. I talked about uh, GraphQL. So that was a lot of fun. I know you were joining us on that call as well. So yeah, it's been fun just meeting with customers, finding out what their problems are, what their challenges are with kind of adopting new versions or new technologies. And that's been a lot of fun helping them kind of solve those problems. So yeah, I see we have some comments in the chat. Uh, Again, we are here on a live stream. If you're joining us here in the live stream, we are on YouTube. Uh, Please go ahead and ask your comments. We'll see if we can't get them answered. If you are joining us on the podcast, yes, this is being uh, produced as a podcast. We go take the live stream, chop it up, turn it into a podcast, and you can find it uh, available on all the major podcast networks. And you want to ask us a question, do us a favor, head over to springoffsours.io. There is a list of all the past episodes, but there's also a way for you to go ahead and ask questions. And of course, you could find Deshaun and I on at Twitter. Uh, at the real Dan Vega, at Deshaun, please go ahead and reach out to us, ask us questions there, and we'd be happy to get them answered. So here's the first question. Is Java 21 ready for production? Yes. It is. As of it today. Is. <laughs> Let's go. What does that mean? Yeah, there's... um. There was an interesting, I, I like you, I camped out on the um, on the live stream today. So Java, dev.java, um, there's, dev.java is a really great resource if you want to get into Java. There's some like free resources over there. There was an event today for the launch and it was being broadcast on YouTube. And they've they've had a you know entire day of like covering the new features, talking about Java in general. And it was interesting. There was like a really good discussion on LTS. And like, I thought LTS just always meant LTS. Like this is the long-term supported version. Java 17 is an LTS. 
Java 21 has LTS features. It's not exactly an LTS. Like, uh, there's a slight difference there. But I think all it means is like, hey, there's going to be long-term support features. Um, but yes, Java 21 is released today, ready for production. But uh, we're, you know, if you want to put Spring Boot applications on it, so Spring Framework 6.1, Spring Boot 3.2. Those are in milestones right now. Those are not available for uh, general release just yet. But we have we have support for uh, Java 21 in those versions. And yeah, and we got a comment here that says, hey, I've been watching Dan's recent videos. Those have been getting a lot of traction. So I've done some videos on the new REST client, the new JDBC client. Those are in Spring Boot 3.2, milestone, whatever. And yeah, those those new clients are awesome. Uh, I'm really excited about those. String Boot 3.2 RC1 is targeted for October 19th. All right. Yep. So we're in That's milestones. Great. We want you to take those milestones for release. If your test pass, like, yeah, go ahead. Go with it. Um, okay. But yeah, like, this is it. We have some conversations about, hey, that upgrade process, definitely take a look at open rewrite. That'll get you there. And yeah, what a great time. By the way, for those on the live stream, I don't know if you can tell, but I, I rarely wear a hat. I'm wearing my JVA, JVM hat for my friends at Azul. I love this hat, and it's a special occasion today because Java 21's out, so I thought I'd wear it. Excellent. Yeah. So this whole migration, you know, lots of steps. Uh, our recommendation, we've said it many times, upgrade your JVM first. Upgrade your JVM first, and then go back and do the framework. You're going to get benefits out of upgrading the JVM. And today with Java 21, upgrade to Java 21 first. Get Java 21 in production, and then you can go back and do the rest of the migrations of your Spring Boot workloads. And Daniel has, hey, that thing where the Spring CLI was hanging, the JVM got stuck on my fault. On my own fault. Yeah. Couldn't reproduce it. Hey, all good. Uh, one of those things on the Spring Shell CLI, one of those little tips is depending on what you have for your dependencies, make it so that it says uh, web server none. Don't start the web server when you're starting your, your Spring Shell apps, and you're mm -hmm. going to love me. You'll, you'll appreciate that little tip. And also, um, I found that I, I did this in a couple of my I, – I, I haven't even had a chance to watch uh, the replay last week yet. But I found in a couple of the CLIs that I've been building, if you're building native images too, turn off all the logging. Because like you probably don't want that when you just start up uh, something in yep. your command line, right? Like you want all that logging off in your kind of production environment, right? And now you, you've just reminded me, we have Java 21. Now I can go and rebuild all of those apps. Yes. I'm going to upgrade all the things. I want to upgrade all the things to Java 21, just like I'm sure a lot of you do. And yep. I'm going to take it for a spin. Cool. What else? Um, this what else just is been, new? I learned so much today, like the whole LTS versus LTS features piece. Yes. I didn't, I didn't realize that. I'm still uh, going to go with 21. I, I've learned so much. I know we'll get into it here in a, in a minute. Um, there are like a main list of the 15 JEPs or so that were involved. But there's also like these little small features that are on a list uh, on the kind of, uh, what is it called? Like the release notes, right? There's like a list of like smaller features that you wouldn't think of. Like Stream, Stream Builder has like a repeat function. The uh, HTTP client now is implements auto closable, so you can use it in like a try, try with resources statement. So there's a bunch of like smaller, like under the radar features as well, which I'm excited about. This is, a, I think, a good question. Great can, question. Can I use Spring Boot two with Java 21? Yes. The answer is yes. That's why we say upgrade your JVM first, 
and then upgrade your framework because you're going to get the benefits of being on that newer, improved JVM. Um, what free. version of 2 is going to support that? Because 2.7 will support 17, but I don't know that 2.7 is going to support 21. You know what? Let's, let's do a quick demo. Let's, let's just go ahead and, well, we'll, we'll continue. We'll come back. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to build a Spring Boot 2.6 app. And I'm going to try to run it with Java 21. Let's see. Yeah, I don't think that will we'll come work. Back to that. But uh, I'm interested to find out. Um, I see our friend Simon here. Hey, Simon, how's it going? I know Simon was in the um, the event, the Java 21 yep. event, released I saw event. Simon there as I well. saw Simon in there. Uh, being active as always, that was pretty cool. So um, you know what? Let's let's double click on that. Let's, oh, let's, sorry, Simon and Thomas. You know, while you're at it, like the people, the community that we have here. When I think about our community at all, Dan and I can't reach out to everyone over the globe. So one of the things that we like about having this is when we're bringing things to the show or when Simon or Thomas or, or you're bringing things to the show, that feedback, we expect, I expect that this audience is the people that we can count on to take it out to the rest of the community. Not everybody joins our spring office hours, but that information is getting out and we think, I expect, that's my hypothesis, that the audience here is getting the information out. And by the numbers of people that are watching our show and downloading our podcast, thank you. Thank you. I think it's working. I think what we're doing here uh, is is paying off and we're getting the information out. The other yep. part of that is we want to get your feedback. If things don't work, if you're stuck on something, we want to get that feedback so that we can share it with the rest of the community. Because Dan's traveling all over the world and doing conferences in front of tens of thousands of people. Right. We want to make sure that everybody's yeah, moving forward at the same time or as much as possible. That's all. Yep. Cool. Um, I see a bunch of questions around like downloading Java. So I'm just going to jump into kind of what our plan was for the day. And I'm going to go ahead and share my screen. Um, let me move this over here. I'm going to quickly just bring up the calendar too. Uh, so if you're new to the show, one of the things we like to do is visit uh, calendar.spring.io. This, you know, the Spring ecosystem is massive. There are a ton of different projects. It's not just Spring Framework and Spring Boot. There are a whole bunch of projects in the ecosystem. This calendar kind of gets you up to date on what's going in the Spring ecosystem. Uh, so if you're you're interested in finding out what's getting released, um, today is the September 19th as we are recording this. You could see uh, yesterday there were a bunch of releases on Spring Security. Uh, obviously, you know, Deshaun, one of my favorite projects out there is Spring for GraphQL. There was a new um, feature release, 1.2.3. If you want to click on it, you can. And then you can go into here into the GitHub project and see what was added. So we could see um, a lot of things, just kind of minor upgrades to different packages and then some feature uh, bug fixes. So, yeah. Um, you can go ahead and check out calendar.spring.io uh, later this week. On the 21st, we have uh, a few Spring Boot versions being released. Uh, so we'll see the milestone three of Spring Boot 3.2.0. So that is getting closer and closer. And I think if we jump to next month, um, we'll see that that release candidate is a month from today. So working up towards that 3.2, which is shaping up to be a really exciting release. Uh, anything you want to kind of cover on the calendar today, Deshaun? No, but I do want to say that I have validated. I took a, I created a Spring Boot 2.6 app. 
uh, web and actuator. I started it up. It works just fine on Java 21. And now I'm hmm. going to start 100.spring.io. I'm going to build a Spring Boot 1.x uh, workload, and I'm going to see if that works with Java 21. I think that's great. Yes. Yeah. That's great. I know somebody, um, Thomas asked, do I just change a JVM and the version in my pom.xml? Yeah. So if you have an older version, if you have like a 2.6 project and you're using, say, Java 11, um, yeah, just change the JVM version in your pom and try to rebuild it. How do I get uh, Java 21? So that's a good question. Let's talk about it. So there is an open JDK uh, release candidate builds. So jdk.java.net slash 21. This is usually, you know, on these on the JDK uh, website is where I kind of usually find, you could find like JDK 22 early builds if you want to go ahead and check that out. Um, but these are, this is one place that I would look for the build. So like yesterday uh, I was putting together some demos. Uh, I didn't quite have it on some other tools that I use. So I came here and I was able to download it. That's one option. Uh, another tool that I really enjoy is SDK Man. So SDK Man is a way to get different software development kits. That's where SDK Man comes from. And it's not just for Java. So there's a whole bunch of different candidates out there. And what I mean by candidates are, um, so if we go to JDKs, so there are different JDKs here. Um, so things like uh, Oracle, Amazon, GraalVM, um, Liberica, OpenJDK, et cetera. There are a whole bunch of different JDK vendors that you can get the JDK from. And then there are a whole lot of different SDKs. So if you want to use something like Maven or Gradle or Scala or Spring Boot or any of the number of candidates here, you can use SDK Man to install these different SDKs and different versions. And the real power comes in is to managing parallel versions of software. So with the JDK, I'm running JDK 8, 11, 17, 21, and I can easily just kind of switch between them. So if you haven't heard of SDK Man, definitely go ahead and check that out. So um, JDK usually comes out earlier on Oracle side or on the JDK, uh, Open JDK. Right, uh, so that's a, that was available first thing this morning. Then it takes a little while to kind of get out to SDK Man, but it's there now, um, as well as Oracle's GraalVM 21 is now available on SDK Man as well. So you can get everything you need right from SDK Man. Um, cool. I just wanna. I'm just looking at. I'm just looking to see if there's any other questions on installation. Okay, so if we've installed SDK Man, um, one of the installations I install right away now that it's available is GraalVM. And I wanted to quickly mention this article that came out from the GraalVM folks today. They did a live stream on this as well. I'm not gonna go through this entire article. There's a live stream on it, go ahead and watch it. I'm guessing Simon was there, so, um, so he probably saw that too because I, I was peeking in and out of that as the uh, live stream was going on as well as the release event. So one of the things I wanted to point out here to you here, Deshaun, and get, kind of get your thoughts on. GraalVM for JDK21 is here. Um, that's exciting. Uh, we can do AOT transformations, uh, build native images, there's a really interesting section here on AOT at the speed of JIT. So before we talk about what this means, can you can you kind of at a high level just talk about like 
AOT and compared to JIT, like what okay. what are those two things, and why why should we care about them? All right, so the JVM has some magical features in it. Not magic. It's not magic. It's it's science. <laughs> uh, and what the JVM does, and historically the JVM has done, as your workloads are running and as it's figuring out, the JVM is actually analyzing what's happening in the code, and it takes bits of your code and it'll actually compile them to native. To whatever, so whatever platform you're running, it'll take that bytecode and we'll compile it into native code. So on Linux, it'll be native uh, Linux. And the JVM has been doing that for a long time. I believe it started with the Hotspot JVM, which came out in like 2002-ish. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to do a quick, somebody Google that. But yeah, 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 the JVM's been doing that for a long time. And now, one of the questions you might ask yourself is, why wouldn't I just compile it all down to native? And that's what GraalVM decided to do. Yeah, so, so I think for us, you know, since the beginning of kind of native in spring, a lot of the questions were like, hey, when do I use native images? And a lot of the advice that I've been giving is really it depends on the situation, right? Um, if you are, if you have this large monolithic application in production and it's taking a large throughput, it's handling a large number of requests, this is really where the JVM is good at optimizing that workload. So why not just throw it on, on a JVM? But if you're in a situation where, hey, I just need to spin something up, I need to warm up an execution environment, which can take time, take memory, um, you know, AOT makes sense in that, in that scenario. So the reason I bring this, this article up is because um, they, they have some performance comparisons on Spring's Pet Clinic, which is a big Spring, Spring Boot app written um, um, with a whole bunch of different features in it and used in different uh, benchmarks, right? And so they had this benchmark here, and you can see that the native image uh, so what do they say here? Um, the native image is ahead of JIT in several performance metrics, such as startup, memory usage, requests, and latency. Um, and this was this was kind of mind blowing to me because I'm like, oh, okay, you know, now we're now we're now now I don't know if I'm going to be re recommending the same thing because if we can just create one binary, which is the native image that is going to work for both types of workloads, you know, this kind of changes my thought. What, what, do, you, what do you think as you, but what is, as you hear but, that? But what's, what are some of the other trade-offs? The native image is yeah. compiled for an architecture and an operating system. Right. So you can, you can have your pipelines create multiple versions of that native image that kind of cover uh, our M1 on our desktop, our Ampere uh, in the data center, and our x86 uh, otherwhere, you know, uh, every place else. You can yeah. build all of those native images and you can have the right images being used on the different platforms. But that's a trade-off. That's right. a trade-off. So one of the other interesting bits on this conversation is Pet Clinic is one, right? There are still other work types of workloads yeah. that are going to have different things. And one of the great conversations, one of the pieces of advice that I've been saying here is You've got to take your workload and do your own experiment. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember who it was uh, talking about the, the new garbage collection and basically the advice that, yep, hey, for this for this workload, uh, this garbage collector worked better. And I've, I've had that experience by making a test. Say, hey, let's run our application. Maybe we'll, we'll deploy both garbage collectors in production and see what happens, right? But just take the time to do the experiment to see 
if it's going to perform better or not. There's not a yeah. silver bullet. And yeah. some workloads are still going to perform better on yeah, the JVM. Yep. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, so yeah, there's some really nice metrics in here on what they went through and, and tested with, which uh, I was really interested to see. And again, this article, um, Girl VM for JDK 21, go ahead and check it out. We'll, uh, let me see if I can't get a link in the comments here so everybody can go ahead and check it out. Um, that is over on Medium on Girl VM's, uh, medium. So cool. I appreciate that. Um, that was really interesting. Excited to see that. Uh, and with that, I want to go into some JDK 21. So I have a couple things here. I have uh, a list of all the JEPs. So for those of you on the podcast, openjdk.org slash project projects slash JDK slash 21. So any JDK project you can go into slash 21, 20, 19, and see the features for that project. So there's, there's this one. This will give you kind of the high-level JEPs, and you can click into them. And then there's a release notes. And the release notes kind of do the same, but they also, like, add in more features. So, like, uh, here are some tiny features that we added to, like, the String Builder class or whatnot. So I'm gonna kind of go go through both of these today and just talk about them. Um, you know, we have 40 minutes to talk about features at a high level. We're not gonna write any code. I just want to kind of talk about them and get your thoughts on them. How's that sound? That sounds great. Uh, and then for those that have been following along, my Spring Boot 1.0.2 uh, did not work with Java 21. Cool. So if you were, if you're trying to upgrade 1.0.2, uh, yeah, we'll we'll baby step. We'll upgrade to Java 8 first, then Java 11, and we'll we'll take it forward. But yeah, we're in good shape. Cool. All right. Um, so yeah, so JEPS. Uh, JEPS stands for Java Enhancement Proposal. It's usually followed by some type of number. That's what these numbers here on this page are indicating. So JEP 430 is string templates. This is going into a preview. This is a, um, this is a feature I'm looking forward to. I know there, <laughs> this is getting a lot of like, uh, some people love it. I'm hearing a lot of hate on it. And and I'm not going to go, th we don't have the time to go through uh, each of these JEPs. But if you go through the JEP, there's like the history of it, why they kind of did what they did, and some motivation behind it. Um, so string templates, um, this has basically given us a way to define a text block of string and have some some kind of logic in there, whether it's a variable or um, executing a you know some kind of statement. Being able to to have string literals and text blocks with embedded expressions inside of there, and you know other languages have this. Um, I use JavaScript a lot, and the kind of cadence for that is the dollar sign and then the brackets, and so. There shows some some ways that you would do this before. If you want to do string concatenation, you can have um, you know the plus the plus operator and then another string and then a plus operator. That gets verbose pretty quickly using the string builder. That gets verbose really quickly. Um, so they talk about string interpolation in other languages, and really what they came upon was this idea of using. Um, I'm looking for the example in here. Um, there's, 
a new str. So you say str dot and then your string template. And then inside of there, if you want to rep reference a variable, you use the backslash and the braces, and that represents a variable. And so the first time I saw this, I probably had the same same kind of thought everybody did, which was, oh, that's kind of ugly. I don't like that. But the more that I hear uh, kind of, I, I heard Brian Getz talk about it today, and the more I hear about it, the more, the more it really starts to make sense. So this is not the only language to do this. Uh, Swift has done this in their language as well. And the reason they went with the backslash uh, brace and not something like the dollar sign is because the backslash is not something that you could use in the backslash brace is not something you can use in a string today. So this is basically making it backwards compatible. Whereas if they were to go ahead and use something like the dollar sign brace, we're going to break a whole bunch of code, you know, to, to, to bring in string literals. So yep. there's a really good discussion about that. It makes uh, sense. You, it the makes way you explained it, you, you made all the sense in the world. I, I'm not yeah. going to argue with it. Yeah. I and so I, I like it. I, I put up an example on Twitter today. I mean, it, it makes, you know, embedding variables and expressions so much easier and so much cleaner. So, and I like that, you know, you can use it with a template box. So I have, you know, the triple quotes. And then I had, I, my example was I had some JSON text and I embedded like uh, some JSON, some data inside it. Yep. There. So it was nice. In my head, I, I'm automatically jumping to all the things that Mark Pollock's doing in Spring CLI and Spring AI. Um, some of the things that I've been doing external and some of my shell uh, tools, uh, I'm going to be pulling those in as projects that I can import into the Spring CLI. And this, this is going to make my life a little bit easier. It's going to make my code yep. look a little bit prettier. Yep. Now, just remember, this is a preview feature. This isn't final. So if you want to use it, you have to use that dash dash enable dash preview. Totally comfortable with that. But again, like you said, if you're building it for something like a CLI tool for your local machine, hey, why not? Yeah, because <laughs> I'm spinning out a native image anyways. Right, right. I love it. Cool. So that's string templates. Um, 431, sequenced collections. This is really nice. This is kind of adding, um, so I did an example on this earlier, but it's a new interface to represent collections with uh, a defined encounter order. And so in the past, if you had something like a list and you wanted to, um, if how would you want to be able to like loop, iterate through that list in a reverse order? Sure, you could write this like loop and like figure out the last index and go from there to like the first index. Like there, there, you know, you had to jump through some hoops to make this happen. So now there's another interface um, that you ultimately end up implementing. And uh, it has method, methods like reversed and what is it? Get first, get last, remove first, remove last. Um, so just a, a nice convenience uh, on top of the collections uh, API. So pretty cool there. So I could see, you know, and this is in Java 21, it's final. I could see this is something that I would be using in my day-to-day -day workflow. Now, I'm going to throw this out there. You can throw it away or you can throw it back either way. Um, Redis has a bunch of these features. This whole like reversing the set and grabbing the last or grab, you know, N plus five or whatever. Redis had those. And I'll be honest, I was kind of, you know, because it was the easy path. I knew Redis was there. I was doing a lot of these things inside of Redis. Yeah. So now I, I don't have to for some of those types of things. This is right. pretty cool. Pretty cool. 
So that is sequenced collections, um, JEP 430. 439, generational ZGC. You were just mentioning this before. Yes. This is the uh, garbage collector, the Z garbage collector. I'll admit this is not an area of expertise for me. I don't know anything about garbage collectors and which one I should use and which environment because that's just not something I've ever had to work on. Like I'm just, I was the, I'm going to write code and uh, the DevOps teams, the SysOS teams are going to handle that for me. So mm -hmm. do you have any, any kind of insight yeah. into this? Yeah. Insight and scar tissue and, you know, like <laughs> stories like I do. So your, your, your application, you know, is hopefully making somebody money or saving somebody time somewhere. And, the, the garbage collector, the big one, was like the, the stop the world garbage collection. We're like, hey, like, we're going to handle your request, but first we got to clean up some stuff. And your JVM isn't going to respond while it's doing that whole cleanup. And depending on the size of your heap and what's going on, uh, that could take longer. Mm -hmm. uh, so you had these different options. You had these different strategies for how you're going to do that. Um, another strategy is kind of this, this parallel uh, where it was going to do it, yeah, in parallel. So it, it didn't really have the stop the world uh type of a process and it was going to keep things cleaner more often, et cetera. But just this idea, we don't have to worry about garbage collection. Thank you, Java. And yeah. the JVM takes care of it. But you have these different strategies depending on what types of objects that you're putting into the heap, depending on how often those objects change and the size of your heap, a different JVM or tweaking your, your garbage collection settings can make a big, big difference. So for most of us, what we get out of the box, the defaults, yeah. Perfect. Uh, yeah. But as these workloads are changing, as everything is moving forward, there's still some of these advancements that we can make, and maybe our defaults change over time. Yeah. But this cool. gives us another option. Yeah. And so this, the Z garbage collector was always there. This is a generational one for both young and old objects. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. That's pretty. That's a pretty cool uh, naming convention there. Um, but applications running with generational ZGC should enjoy. Lower risks of allocation stalls, lower required heap memory overhead, that's good. Lower garbage collection CPU overhead. So again, with all these JEPs, if you're this sounds like something you're interested in, take a look at the JEP, look at the goals, the motivation, examples. I love I, I love nerding out on these JEPs and kind of reading through them. So you know, like where you you and I, we're different. Uh, you know, you get excited <laughs> about the language features. Uh, I honestly, I get excited about some of the JVM features, but everybody's kind of got their spot, right? Where, you know, there's many, many years in my career where uh, not, not such a big deal. But right now, especially with all the things that are happening from the spring team and all the things that they're doing to keep up with this, like we said, 3.2 is going to be ready to support Java 21. The release candidate is coming out a month from today, right? Yeah. Release candidate one. So we're right there. Everything's moving faster and you've got to kind of yeah. catch up and you have to get the benefit. Just like AI, can you imagine somebody not understanding the AI, not having taken chat <laughs> GPT for a spin, like how yeah. far behind they are? Yeah. Right. What we're trying to do is we want to keep everybody up here at the front. We want to give you all the information to make uh, your path say, forward easier. That's what you do. You join this show, Spring Office Hours. We will get you caught up on everything Spring and Java. So And, and more, right? I think we need to have Edu come on. And yeah, join us, and, and let's go deep into test containers. All right, we've been talking about it. We talk about it all the time. But yeah, we yeah. should probably have Edu come on. That'd be great. 
Okay, uh, next step, 440, record patterns. So pattern switching. So enhancing the Java programming language with record patterns to deconstruct record values. Um, this is nice. So we have record patterns and type patterns. They can be enabled. Um, so the example in here is uh, prior to Java 16, or in Java 16, you could say, hey, I, I have this object. Is it an instance of string? If it is, assign it to this variable s and go ahead and use that. Um, because of padding match, pattern matching and records now, uh, you could basically say, hey, is this object an instance of this type of record? And if it, uh, if it is, assign it to this variable, and now we can just go ahead and use it. So I'm a big fan of records. I use them all the time. This is going to be just another thing that I can see using in my kind of day-to-day workflow uh, record patterns. Um, pattern matching for switch kind of goes along. You know, we could have a whole conversation on this. Um, we'll kind of try and keep this short, but <clears throat> this allows us to have pattern matching for switch expressions and statements. So Again, we just we just saw that example of in Java 16, you could say, is the object an instance of something? If so, assign it to this variable. Well, you had to like then go through and figure out like if it's this, do this. If it's that, do that. As of Java 21, you can now switch on that object and then basically have a key statement for each of the um, instances that may occur. So in the example I'm looking at, there's a case for an object where it's an integer. If it is, assign it to this variable i, then use this kind of like lambda arrow syntax, and here's what I want you to do with it. Um, there's In this case, there's a default. This has to be an exhaustive resource. So you have to figure out every single kind of um, scenario that could happen here. But again, just uh, making your code a little bit more concise, readable, and I don't know, fun, more fun to write. Is that is that a feature? It is. It is. That's <laughs> that's that's why we're here, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what Spring does. Spring makes getting these workloads to production more fun, more fun to write. And now, yeah, there's JVM features, and Spring doesn't have to do everything. The Java team is doing an amazing job of making things more fun to write. Um, foreign function and memory API. This is a third preview. If you want to learn more about that and Project Valhalla, I don't know a whole bunch about it, but you can go ahead and check that out. Uh, unnamed patterns and variables, just using kind of underscore in some of those scenarios where we're like casting to a record and we don't care uh, about every single record component. 444 is the big one, virtual threads, aka Project Loom, aka one of those JEPs. The other two are in preview in here, which are um, scope values, 446, and structured concurrency, 453. Those two are just preview. Virtual threads is now final in JDK 21. Obviously, we've been talking a lot about this on the show. We've been talking about it on the road, at conferences. This is a big deal, and it's funny. I was watching the the event, and a lot of people in the Java community who may not be real close to the Spring Spring community were chiming in on a lot of this, and and I kind of want to talk about a few of those comments that I saw, but we'll get to that in a second. I know exactly so, what you're talking about. So virtual threads. Um, what what are your thoughts on virtual threads? Uh, I mean, I have to imagine this is this has got you excited. It is. You know. Again, my like my character, uh, I kind of like I the native images is, is kind of exciting to me. Uh, but now here's the thing: the virtual threads 
that capability is now being put into those native images that I'm generating. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this the virtual threads, it goes all the way down and it is really, really exciting. So yeah. I'm actually spending a little bit more time uh, on the kind of like the batch workloads, uh, this data stuff. So I kind of looking at it from two different ways. I've got my, my functions uh, that I'm going to be doing a lot of, uh, but then also I'm here at Oracle Cloud World and we understand like when you have those blocking database calls, now I've kind of like just, I've given myself a whole lot of power for all those workloads that are running in production today that might have those blocking database calls. Now, just by doing this upgrade, I get the virtual threads, right? And anybody that's taken, uh, yeah, using those the virtual threading capabilities, yeah, it's just an automatic upgrade. We just yeah, get I think, free. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to do any yeah. code changes. Yeah. Well, when when we get to a release, you know, when we get to three Spring Boot three point two Spring Framework six point one, there's going to be a simple application property that you change. Spring dot I think it's Spring dot virtual threads enabled equals true. And if you do that, you'll now be using virtual threads instead of platform threads. And what this means is in, in all of your blocking applications, as Deshaun said, if we're talking to a database, we're talking to another HTTP service, we're talking to uh, an input stream, now we can go ahead and use a virtual thread where it's not going to be blocking. It's not going to be taking up a platform thread. And um, because those are those are finite resources. And I heard um, someone talking this morning, uh, the head of Project Loom, and he uh, somebody asked him, like, hey, how many how many virtual threads can I get in an application? And it's like, why are you asking that question? Do you ever ask like, how many string instances can I create in a question in, in an application? No, you don't. You just create as many as you need. And because it's not attached to a platform thread, it's not attached to a resource anymore. So you don't have to think about it from a resource standpoint. You just, Hey, I need to make some database calls. I'm not worried about that anymore. And that, and as you said, the the exciting part for me is I don't have to change any code. I'm going to change one property in my existing app. And if you're on something like eight or eleven, and you move to twenty one in a in a month or two, oof, man, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna see a whole bunch of scalability benefits there. So, hey Thomas, uh, look for Cora's video on the Spring One playlist on YouTube, and that's. That's going to show you. She's got a great example of comparing the virtual threads versus the non-virtual threads. And yeah, that was in the Spring One keynote. She had a, a nice. Uh, she walked through that and, and used some benchmarks on that. So definitely check that out. Um, okay, so one of the I, one of the things I kind of wanted to address today with virtual threads is, you know, the obvious question comes up with, okay, well now that we have virtual threads, and again we they just came out today, so we don't have them everywhere, but. Now that we have virtual threads, what does that mean for reactive programming in general? Specifically on the Spring side, what does that mean for something like Spring Webflux? And I saw the comments like, oh, we just learned reactive programming. We're using it here. Now it's dead. And oh, like, no. <laughs> it just couldn't be farther from the truth, right? So, um, you know, I, I've talked a lot about this in some talks at, at conferences and customers. And when it comes to, when it comes to virtual threads, if if you purely chose reactive programming as an answer to the scalability issues with your applications, right? Like, hey, we are, we are having a hard time utilizing the resources that we are putting these applications onto, right? 
that's where kind of reactive programming comes in. It, it takes away the blocking nature of something like Spring MVC, and it says, hey, go do something. I'm going to unattach from a platform thread, and I'll come back when, when you're ready for me. And, and if, you're, if you simply switched over to reactive programming for that, okay, fine. Virtual threads is going to offer you that scalability benefit um, out of the box. That's great. But that's not everything that reactive programming does. Reactive programming does a lot more um, as far as like dealing with large data sets, dealing with back pressure. Um, what are some of the other things I talked about? Oh, um, so the two other uh, JEPs in there in 21 there is, uh, that are in preview mode are scoped values and structured concurrency. Structured concurrency is a way of dealing with, hey, I need to break this tasks up into multiple tasks and go do something and then come back and kind of put those together, right? That's in preview. That's something that reactive programming, specifically Spring Web Flux, handles very well. So, and, you know, reactive programming in general is just a way to deal with streams-based programming. And that's still, that's not going anywhere. So, uh, again, I, I think if, if, if you're just out there making blanket statements that reactive programming is going away, then I don't, I don't think you understand it enough, and that, that's okay. But there is a place for both of these. All I'm saying is if you, if you have a shop that moved over to reactive programming and you enjoy that style of programming, there's no reason to abandon that now. Right. Um, but if you, if you have a whole shop of like, hey, we know imperative programming, we just want a way to improve scalability, Great. Virtual Threads is going to do that for you. Yeah. So it's exciting. Java 21, the native images, all the things that the Spring team has done to kind of uh, prepare us for this new feature, new future uh, going forward. We just get it, right? Just by upgrading to Java 21, we're going to get a bunch of performance improvements. And, you know, because of all the work the Spring team has done, the native AOT processing we can add on top of that, it's just super exciting. So the thing is, the virtual threads, we, we, we're getting that too. All these benefits are going to be included for all of your Spring workloads going forward. I got a pretty good comment here that says, I've seen WebFlux chosen over MVC simply because of the Web Clients API. And that's great. You know, and that that is the Spring team, you know, hearing those yep. um, same thoughts from the community. And that is where the REST client came from. Yep. In Spring Boot 3.2, there's a new REST client that has a similar fluent API to the web clients. But now you don't need to bring in that external dependency to use something like that. So, um, cool. Fantastic. All right. I think that's all I'm going to cover with Project Loom. So, virtual threads, obviously, uh, I'm excited about that. There is virtual threads and then the two previews that kind of go along with it. Uh, the vector API um, has a six incubator. There's a couple of deprecations and really that's it. That's all I want to talk about when it comes to features. So that's the list of JEPs that are included. But then if you go into the release notes, it will kind of go through some of those JEPs and give you just kind of uh, like the TLDR of what that is. But there's also some new features that it will go into in the release notes. And I just want to mention a couple of these. So there is a new split with delimiters method added to string. Uh, so um, that's pretty nice. You can pass in a delimiter yeah. and, 
And I think before you had to like turn it into like a splitterator or do something with it. Yeah. If I'm, that. you know, converting my COBOL code over to Java, <laughs> it's going to come in really, really right. handy. Right. Right. Um, there's some Unicode emoji properties. So if you want to say, Hey, is this thing an emoji? You can, <laughs> you can figure that out. So emoji, wow. some love here. This is a big one for me. I like this. Um, in if you're in a Java application and not in a Spring app, you're just in a Java app and you need to talk to some type of service somewhere. Uh, the HTTP client was added in Java, I believe, 11. And this is a nice way to talk to uh, another service. And I believe the REST template, I don't know if it REST template uses it by default, but you can use it. Um, I think it is hook. by default. Maybe it is default. And it's yeah. switchable. And it's switchable, right? So um, the HTTP client, uh, it now implements auto-closable, which means you can basically use this in a try with resources block, uh, statement now. So doesn't seem like a big change, but it's a nice uh, addition, I think. Um, you know what? Literally, uh, I, I had a customer call this morning where that would have been nice. Uh, yeah. Because uh, I do a REST template call, uh, and I'm, I was expecting a 403, but what do I have to do on that? I'm going to get that HTTP client error, uh, and I got to do a try catch around it, and expect yeah, yep, that my response yep. is a 403 because it throws that exception. That yep. that makes yeah, that would have made that a little bit. I'm going to actually go and fix that right nice. now. Nice, that's a cool feature. Thank you for showing me that. See, yeah, it's this. Like we have to like, I, talk about it. And we have to learn from each other. I, I love these. I love release notes. I love the like spring release notes. I love digging through there. And now not everything makes sense to me right away. Like I might have to read this again in a week and go, oh, okay, that 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 seems like something I could use. But I'm just kind of giving you what kind of stands out to me now. So um, string builder and string buffer add repeat methods. There was no way to just simply repeat a string. Um, so that seems nice. Um, and then sequence collections we talked about, and I really think that's all I wanted to cover. So yeah, the release notes, check them out. The, um, JDK 21 page on open JDK will list out all of the JEPs. And again, those JEPs have all the information you can want. Go ahead and check that out. Um, yeah, that's Java 21. Uh, I know you, I saw you throw it in the, uh, the show the the chat here but it, for those at home if you head over to dev.java they added a java playground today so this is like so a cool. nice little area that you can just put some code in write it and execute it so if you want to like show somebody some java i know they uh, they got a lot of questions of like hey i'd really like a snippet that i can like share with my friends i think they're you know that's something they're discussing in, uh, internally uh, but for now this is pretty cool dev.java is one of those Places I always forget is there. And then when I go back there, I'm like, oh, I love this place because uh, just kind of get caught up on Java, some articles, resources. Um, and then inside Java, there's a bunch of articles there as well, uh, along with the podcast. So some nice resources to check out. So we haven't said it yet. At my house, if you come over to have dinner and you leave hungry, that's your fault. Here, if you've got questions you don't ask, that's your fault. So don't leave hungry. Azul says, don't know if this is the time to ask. It is. It's always the time to ask. <laughs> is there anything in Spring Framework comparative to Laravel database migration? Something that is from Spring Boot Framework, not other dependency like Liquibase. Um, no, nothing in Spring. So uh, you would have to, yeah, you would have to use something like Liquibase or Flyway. So Liquibase Flyway is, um, again, I'm curious to know why like something fly, why Flyway 
would not work for you. So Flyway is a database migration tool. And for those of you who don't know what that means, um, you know, anytime you're going to have it, even if it's not a team, even if it's just a solo person working on a project, it's probably a good idea to include. But it says, hey, um, on version one of my application, I had an employee table. But when I moved to version two of my application, I added this new table called salary or whatever. Um, this database migration tool will say, hey, here's what's going to change in um, the database schema. Here's how you go ahead and update your local instance if you're running something here. Um, obviously, Spring will like automate all of that for you, but it, it just gives you version control of your database schema and data um, in different versions. And so I'm curious to, to why Flyway is different than something, what is it, Laravel? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not Laravel. familiar with what Laravel does on their database migration script, but uh, I'm curious what's different there. Yeah. I think Liquibase and Flyway are both great tools. Yeah. And yeah, like take them for a spin. Let us know what you're running into or why. And, Maybe it's a support issue. I'm sure you can get support for Liquibase uh, or Flyway. I, I, you know, you brought up something good too, which was like, well, why doesn't Spring do that like in the framework? And it's like, there has to be line drawn somewhere, right? Like you don't want this framework that just has everything. Yep. People already uh, complain that Spring is too big and there's too many things going on underneath the hood. And it's just like that. that is a perfect example of like something. Again, I always say, uh, you know, a good project to me is something that does one thing and does it well. And that is that one thing. That is the database migration script. That is a separate project to me. Uh, so, so, yeah. Yeah. The Spring team, they're, they're trying to make it easier for us. And then here's another, I think, a good follow-up question. You know, with Java HTTP client now in the JDK, it has been for a long time. What's the motivation to use Spring's HTTP client, even the new one? Well, for me, it's there's a lot more. The Spring version makes it easier. It makes it, it makes it, I'm happier. I get a bunch of things on top. It provides those abstractions. So I get an easier, good case, a good experience, faster. Yeah, I would say, you know, John mentioned it earlier, the proof is in the pudding. You go ahead and write, write, write a couple services that talk to, like, the JSON placeholder service. I use this in all my tutorials. Write a couple services, like a get and a post in the HTTP client, and then go write it in the new REST client in Spring Boot 3.2 and compare. And as Deshaun said, uh, you know, the, the HTTP client has a fluent API, but so does the REST API, and it just adds that little bit on top that makes everything easier. So Thomas has always got interesting things. I created a DevTools file system watcher that auto-wires the application context. When it triggers a reload, it throws an error that the application context is closed. I tried using application context aware. Spring one's an error base. Nope. Um, but that didn't solve the issue. This is good. Again, this is something that we got to dig into. Th Thomas, thank you for bringing those up. Uh, that, that's going to take a little bit. I'm, I'm excited about Java 21, and I'm doing these. But just like we said, bring your questions. Now we have those questions. We've talked about it. It's, it's here. It'll be on the podcast. So somebody else has the answer. But we're going to take a look Yeah, we file that, system that's, watcher. Uh, so especially with, with issues like that, um, and I know Deshaun's mentioned, mentioned this before, but if you have issues like that, we're, we would love to take a look at them. Um, if you can uh, and you have questions like this, 
create a, a repository somewhere and and shoot us a, a message on Twitter, email us, and just say, hey, here's this here's this repository that you can just download and run. And again, I, I do this when when I'm asking for help. If there's like external dependencies, make sure that I can get clone run. Is Deshano get clone get run? Clone run. Let's, if I can let's get, get clone, clone run, run your 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 repo, and you have like a, a sentence telling me what is wrong. Oh man, I'm so much more inclined to like get clone run and try and figure that out for you. Um, a lot of times people send me these long emails with these code blocks and I'm just like, this is going to take a long time for me to like reproduce. And unfortunately time is limited. So the more information you can provide in a quicker, like just repo that I can run, uh, the better. Yep. That's the key. That is the key. So Thomas is going to create a repo, get clone run that we can get clone run and we're going to help them figure it out. That's how we. That's how we roll. That's how we help each other, and that's how we're going to help Thomas. So, talking DB migration. Have you ever seen heard something like startup hooks for database instead of using Flyway? Yes. And here's what happens at scale. Where do you put those hooks? Do you deliver to just one instance? Do you put in all? Because I may be the only one here today, but I've done the Flyway thing and and told all of those applications. So, on startup, migrate these tables. Do these migrations and. If you have a large database and you have five instances of that application saying, hey, do these things to all these tables, then problems ensue. Problems ensue. So instead of doing the startup hook for a database, I'm a big fan of the 12-factor or the 15-factor approach for those types of admin processes that don't need to happen every time that you start up. Run those separately. Make a separate application. Run them manually or trigger them with a pipeline. But run those admin-type processes separately from your actual apps that are consuming that database. That's just my two cents. Cool. Got another question here from Daniel. What's your take on running Spring Boot applications as war files on Tomcat? I, I'm, I see it all the time. I'm talking with customers that are doing it all the time. And there's there's a different approach. I have been in the, the case, what's happening? If I run a bunch of different war files on one instance of Tomcat, for example, how many JVMs are running? One. The answer is one. Tomcat is going to deploy all those. It's in the same JVM. So you can have a noisy neighbor issue. You can have other, uh, your, your configuration. Everybody's got to be consuming that same Tomcat configs. Uh, so I, for example, the case that I had earlier today, I couldn't send different HTTP hosts for a HTTP proxy. I couldn't send different proxy values to different applications that are working on that same JVM. That's just a, an example. But you have to you kind of work around. You can't just provide the environment for one specific app when they're all running in that same uh, Tomcat unless you're doing the complex uh, Tomcat web app configs. So then you're deploying your war file and your configs uh, separately as well. So yeah, like you have, there's some some pain there. But depending on your economics, maybe running a bunch of different applications inside of one JVM, maybe that's, yeah, that's the, the best outcome. Maybe that's the, where the, the value is had, right? It doesn't have, there's not a one answer fits all, right? If you're, if you're paying, or maybe you have a, you know, something like Azul that gives you a, a 64 gigabyte keep or more, right? Maybe you're getting the value from your JVM instead of having the multiple JVMs, you're, you're getting more value out of the single JVM. So you got approaches. You got different vectors that we can analyze our workloads and how we're taking them to production. And yeah, I kind of felt like, oh, that's kind of weird when you ask Spring Boot, why would you do that? But now I I understand. 
Now I understand that there's a bunch of different reasons why you might go down that path and it's okay. All right. I got a question here that I want to get to. It says, when I upgraded to Spring Boot 3, I got loads of warnings from Spring Security that I'm not sure how to fix, mostly deprecated stuff. So, yes, this is one of the, one of the things we've we've heard. Um, you know, upgrading to Spring Boot 3, you're going to pull in uh, Spring Security 6. I'm going to go ahead and pull up the website for those of you at home. There is some reference documentation out there on migrating to Spring Security 6.0. So yes, there were some deprecations there. I would go through here, uh, check out the preparation docs. What are the uh, migrations? Um, there's, uh, where is the preparation? Yeah, so here's, this is gonna kind of walk you through some of that stuff. Um, dealing with password encoders. The biggest things are the deprecations to like the spring security configuration. And so we used to um, extend a web security configure adapter. Now we're using a more component-based uh, configuration. So you want to change those up. Uh, also, I have a video on this. Uh, so look on YouTube for uh, Dan Vega, what's new in spring security six. Um, and I walk through some of those code changes as well. So yeah, you just got to find those deprecations and update them. There are a few of them. Um, once you get those done, it should be okay. Glenn is talking. I'm looking for the video. Glenn, what's the name of that session from Spring One? It is the keynote. If you go on the page, springone.io, um, that's the keynote. And then you just got to find Chorus Talk, which is probably 40 minutes through. And then also the one about upgrading the security stuff. Oh, there's um, there's a talk at Spring One about that. I didn't yeah. see that yet. Cool. That's awesome. I didn't I didn't get a chance to watch. I'm still like behind on catching up on on all my Spring One contact content. Oh, and, it might be the mind the gap one. And, right. Oh yeah, yeah. That that uh, I don't know how much security he went into, but I watched that one actually. Uh, Phil Webb went into a great video on like, here are all the things that you might run into oh, and like an upgrade. Daniel. Yep. So here's the one with Phil Webb and I'll, I'll yep. grab the one with Daniel too. Cool. Which Daniel, I'm, I'm, I am so happy because uh, today uh, I released a new bill pack, ARM64 bill pack. Daniel yes. had a bug and he's like, hey, that. I wanted to use Tilt and I said, let me see what I can do. And yes, <laughs> we, we had some success. So now we yep. can do, we can use tilt files and we can deploy just like we do with dev tools. I can make changes and then I can have those changes showing up in my container on a Kubernetes cluster somewhere else, maybe on my laptop, but maybe someplace else. Awesome. Cool. Um, so comment based on the database migrator from earlier. I always try to avoid external dependencies because of future problems with updating. Um, I would prefer something equivalent to Spring Framework JPA for database migration. So this I get, um, but especially with things like um, like Flyway, um, you know, we are going to be able to go there, and we have there's a dependencies bomb in there. So if you go to the Spring Boot starter parent, there's a dependencies bomb, and it says, hey, when you upgrade to Spring Boot 3.2, here are all the versions of things that we know work with this particular version of Spring Boot, and you know all the pop, you know most of the popular things out there that you're going to use, like Flyway. Here's the version that you're going to use with it. This is what we know works with it, and again. If you if you try to stick all of that functionality into the framework, that's going to get pretty large. So that's usually why that, why that happens. 
Um, cool. So, yeah, I think we're coming up on the hour anyway. I think we can probably close this out. I just had – oh, here it is. Daniel's video. Oh, cool. I got that for the thing. From spring one. Uh, I was actually in the room with, uh, with, with Joe Granja. Um, I, I, this is a link to the upgrading, securing on Kubernetes. Kubernetes, yep. Spring yep. authorization. I was server. in that room for that one. Yeah. <laughs> I bought, I had to jump out a little early cause I think my talk was next, but yeah, that was fun. It's good stuff. Cool. So happy day. Java 21 has been released. Uh, you can go ahead and download it right now. Start playing with it. Um, just kind of get uh, familiar with some of the new features. Even if you're not upgrading your Spring applications to 21 just yet, uh, get a chance to kind of get familiar with them. And again, a lot of them are these kind of day-to-day -day things that will just kind of improve my life a little bit. Some of them are virtual threads, and wow, they could improve my, my performance of my application a lot. Um, but yeah. I'm excited. I'm going to start like putting some content out there on like uh, Java 21 features and how I might use them in my spring applications. So I hope uh, everyone's excited for that. Yep. And back to Azul, like the whole like migration, the spring team doesn't just focus on our, our projects. The spring team, if you take a look, you'll see it. The spring contributors like Glenn here, uh, you'll see that they're contributing to all sorts of projects, not just spring. So I want to give you a little bit of confidence, just, Take my word on it. Like you will be okay if you follow the liquid base or the flyway DB path. And those teams know that those teams are working really closely with our spring teams. So I just yeah. want to throw that out there. Hey, I got um got a question here. Uh James, dang, I joined late. Y'all don't share this on Spring Office Hours on your channels anymore. Yeah, so we used to like share this in like 17 different places and it just got like unmanageable. So if you want to find the live stream, it is on the Spring Developer channel on YouTube. We try and share this out to our socials. So if you're following us on LinkedIn or Twitter, we'll try and share that there. Um, also, I'm going to look into this, Deshaun. Maybe there is a, I know there's a way that you can do a feature kind of like Twitch where you're like, pushing your content or your subscribers to another channel. So maybe you and I can do like, you do like a pre-show on like a 10 minute pre-show on yours. Yeah. I do one on mine. That's and then a great idea. How fun is that? Send everyone over to it. Like this would be like a behind the scenes type of thing. And then we can kind of send everybody over to it. So maybe that's something we'll look into. But if you want to find the official show, yes, you need to go to the Spring Developer channel on YouTube. Cool. Um... I got one more question there. Which Spring Boot version supports JDK 21? Uh, Deshaun went through this already. Yeah. What? So we started off. Uh, I, I built a Spring Boot 2.6 app, and, and it's working with Java 21. Our recommendation is to upgrade your JVM first. Uh, so yeah, whatever version you're on, take it for a spin. I tried it with 1.0.2. It did not work. Uh, but hopefully you're not running Spring Boot 1.0.2 today. <laughs> so we want to know. Like, Take it for a spin. Just change your Java version, change your, uh, your, your build file to use a new Java version, take it for a spin, see if it works. And if it doesn't, we want to hear about it. We want to hear about it. Cool. All right. Well, we have um, an exciting schedule. Just Sean and I have been working on a backlog of shows. Uh, so we will go ahead and get those scheduled as soon as possible. 
Um, with that, uh, we're excited uh, to see what you're going to build with Java 21, with Spring Boot, whatever version you're on. Uh, so if you have, if you're starting to build some some projects using Java 21, using Spring Boot 3, let us know. We always love to hear about that. Yes. Uh, with that, we appreciate you joining the show today, and we will see you in the next one. Bye, Thank everyone. Thank you so much, everybody. See ya.